Have you caught my free masterclass, Write Your Novel or Memoir in Three Months Without Killing or Embarrassing Yourself? Because you can watch it right now by going to maryadkinswriter.com forward slash masterclass. It takes an hour and you will love it. I promise. maryadkinswriter.com forward slash masterclass. I hope you love it. Now let's dive into this episode. Welcome to the First Draft Club, a podcast to help you write your book with joy, clarity, and maybe a few coffee stains. If you're working on a novel or a memoir, whether you haven't written creatively since seventh grade English or you have an MFA in creative writing, this podcast is for you. I'm here to help you fight through resistance and finish your draft. Here we are at the third act. If you haven't listened to the last three episodes on the three-act structure, please go do that now and then come back. Otherwise, this is not going to make a whole lot of sense. Okay, have you been wondering all week how my law school story ends? I know you have. (laughs) You haven't. I know you haven't. But I'm going to wrap it up anyway. Here we go. Let's wrap up the story. So I make it through my first law school exam period feeling pretty good about my performance. Again, I don't think I've aced my exams, but I feel like I've at least passed them. And one evening, I'm sitting at my desk in my room, and I get an email from my contracts professor. And he he says in the email, in the body of the email, that he's attaching our grades in a spreadsheet that he has anonymized. We can find our, our grade and our class ranking by the last four digits of our social security number. He mentions that he has also listed us from first to last in our class. He has ranked us because law schools love ranking people. (laughs) So he has listed us from top to bottom, every person in the class. Great, great, great. Whatever. I read, I skim, moving on. I open the spreadsheet and the first thing I notice is that it is indeed not anonymized. There are my classmates' names. I recognize every person on the list. And as I'm scrolling, I don't see my own. Not me, not me scrolling. And I scroll and there it is at the very bottom of the list. I am ranked last in my class. And my professor has just accidentally sent this list of names to everyone in my class, everyone I know. And so my worst fear of being a person who does not belong is not only confirmed as true in this moment, but it is also now public knowledge. So I scream for my roommate. She comes in. I frantically explain to her what's happened. I am horrified. She gasps, and we both are just staring at the spreadsheet in horror. And then she says something that is really the one thing that no one has said that I really need to hear, which is, she says, honestly, Everybody right now is so relieved that they're not you (laughs) that they don't care and they're not going to remember that it's you. They're just glad it's not them. And suddenly I realize that she is right. It's like it's like that saying, which I I love and, and think about pretty regularly. Whenever you worry what people are thinking about you, remember that they aren't. 
No one is thinking about you. Everybody's thinking about themselves. No one thought I was dumb. Everyone was just so worried about how they compared that they were just relieved it wasn't them. And and ironically, by by feeling like I didn't belong, I was actually just like everybody else. So let's step back. What has now happened in this phase of the story? What has happened is that we've entered Act 3, which can be summed up as, I was wrong. To review our very simple breakdown of the three acts is, Act 1, I have a problem. Act 2, I think I know how to solve it. Act 3, I was wrong. By the way, I, I, I did notice that, that my, my statements in Acts 1 and 2 here are in the present tense, and my statement in Act 3 is in the past tense, and that is intentional. Acts 1 and 2 are um, need to feel very present, and I think it's important to, to remind ourselves of that as we're writing them. And then Act 3 is backward-looking because the realization that, that the character is wrong and therefore needs a perspective change is based on everything that has happened before. So I chose these tenses for a reason. To go back to the law school story, I have had a perspective shift because a confrontation with the truth has forced me to face that my solution isn't going to work. Let's return to the novels that we've been looking at as examples these last few episodes and discussing the three-act structure. In Little Fires Everywhere, the custody battle is lost, so the attempted solution has failed. And that loss leads the the mother of the baby to take a really drastic action and to break into the adoptive family's home and take her baby back physically, despite what the judge has ruled. This major event at the end of the book echoes another big transition for another major character, which is that a secret is revealed leading her to a new understanding about why she and her mom have been on the run for all these years. And that secret is that she, too, legally was meant to be someone else's child. The taking of the baby also leads to a discovery by another major character of what motherhood really means to her. When her greatest fear comes true in that she, too, loses a daughter, just in a different way. I know I'm being pretty abstract here. I highly recommend the novel. There's just a lot happening. But suffice it to say that in Act 3 of this novel, there is a lot of I was wrong. The baby's mother was wrong that she could get her daughter back through legal means. Another character was wrong about why she and her mother were running all this time. And a third character was wrong about what really mattered to her as a mother. In the novel, The Vanishing Half, Act 3 is also full of, I was wrong. The missing twin, Stella, is found, but it doesn't look like what Desiree had hoped it would look like. Even though we're not sure exactly what that is, we know it doesn't look like what she would have hoped. Stella doesn't want to be found, and because of that, it is a giant emotional mess when she is found. Ultimately, the sisters' reunion is an incredibly emotional moment for both of them, but it raises as many questions as it answers. And as they return to their lives, we know that their lives are not going to be the same. So how do you write in Act 3? 
If you write in Act 2 by bringing your authentic self to the quest, as we discussed in the last episode, you write in Act 3 by opening yourself up to authentic discovery. Every time I write in Act 3, I'm surprised by what it has to teach me, and I've come to believe that that surprise is essential to the fiction writing process. It's part of the magic of Act 3. You as the author want to discover a truth as well, alongside your characters. This is how we write books that are bigger and wiser than us. We allow them to be. We don't limit them to our present understanding. We expand at their behest. We grow because they pull us to grow. It's one of the beautiful, incredible things about writing. And we do that, I believe, through openness. Next week, I'll be talking about the best way I have found to achieve this openness to the creative spirit, which is by handwriting and handwriting my novels specifically across four notebooks. You'll learn my four notebooks method of novel writing. So be sure to tune in. I can't wait to tell you about it. Have a great week and happy writing. Thanks for listening to the First Draft Club. Subscribe and leave a review and I will adore you forever. And if you want to submit your own questions and attend these sessions live, you can join our community of authors by going to maryadkinswriter.com. That's Adkins with a D, like donut. And if you want to attend my free masterclass on how to finish your book in five simple steps, just go to maryadkinswriter.com slash masterclass. That's maryadkinswriter.com slash masterclass, and you can watch it instantly. Happy writing. See you next week.